0: A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Welcome to Hog Talk Preview Edition Week Fourteen. Team, the Seahawks travel down to Texas to take on the Houston Texans looking to go 2-1-0. That's all we're looking for, but before we get into it, let's bring in Asa Chobie with the injury updates.
2: Thanks, Bump. Well, starting today's injury report, we got some depressing news, unfortunately, Probable safety Jamal Adams will need surgery on his shoulder that will end his season. Head coach Pete Carroll obviously disappointed.
0: First thing I would just note is that, uh, you guys heard Jamal Adams is going to have surgery, uh, I think it's tomorrow on his shoulder. And unfortunately he, he got hit just, just the wrong way. And, and, uh, you know, he's going to have to get fixed up. he has been through this before and, uh, he, you know, he's really rocked by it, of course, but, um, you know, we're all pulling for him to come out and, and, and get out of this thing, get back as soon as possible, but really disappointed for him uh, as well as us. On the positive
2: side, looking like running back Alex Collins will be back this week after missing last week's game against the 49ers. Is Alex Collins going to
0: practice? Yeah, yeah, matter of fact, he, he, he was ready to go. He feels better. The week off really did make a difference for him, and so uh, that, that's, that was the idea that maybe we could you know gain a little bit if we held him out, and uh, so far, from when we talked uh, this morning, he, he feels considerably better. So he he'll, has a chance to be really active in this game plan.
2: Lastly, another missing piece of the Seahawks offense is guard Damian Lewis, who looks ready to go after missing the last two weeks. Damian
0: Lewis? Gonna be back. Yeah, he, he was out today, ready to go. So uh, he's got to make sure, you know, we have to make sure we get him through the week. But um, um, that's a real plus to get him back out there.
2: All right, that's enough talk about injuries. It's time to get into the Seahawks Week 14 opponent. What's on tap? What's on tap? Seahawks taking on the Houston Texans, who are struggling this year. They are two and ten. Their only wins on the season are against the Jacksonville Jaguars and somehow over the Tennessee Titans a couple weeks ago. I do not know how that happened, bump. And I'm just going to be real with you, man. Looking at the Texans on paper, this is a game the Seahawks should win and dominate, in my opinion. I'll just kind of give you a background on the Texans this year. It's been a long year, man. First-year head coach David Coley has had his work cut out for him from the jump, and not only was his first head coaching gig after 27 years as an assistant in the NFL and 43 total coaching, he stepped into one of the hardest situations in the NFL. Okay, Their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, requested a trade before he even showed up. Then Watson had all the off-field issues. As we know, he's not played it down in 2021. Then over the last couple years, the Texans have lost J.J. Watt. DeAndre Hopkins got out. So they don't really have any superstar players. So after beating the Jaguars in week one, the Texans lost eight straight. And my God, has it been a struggle for this offense. They've been shut out twice this season and scored 14 points or less eight different times. They've also had some disciplinary issues. Their star linebacker, Zach Cunningham, was inactive against the Colts for one of those issues. He was inactive earlier in the season because he missed a team meeting. And the Texans just had enough today. They released him, put him on waivers after giving him a five-year, like $48 million contract, right? And things have been particularly bad for the Texans against the Colts. In two games against the Colts, the Texans were outscored 62-3. (laughs) to These guys have not scored a point against the Texans since uh, the last six quarters. So the box score pretty much tells you everything you need to know about their last game. They lost 31-0. to I'll just rattle through a couple of these things. They were dominated time of possession. The Texans had the ball for 18 minutes, 25 seconds. The Colts had it for 41 minutes, 35 seconds. Indy had 26 first downs. The Texans had nine. Indy had third, 389 total yards. Texans had 141. Three of 12 on third down. Total domination. Things were bad from the jump. Interception, fumble, all this stuff. I'm not even going to go through all the stats because it was bad. But it got even worse. Tyrod Taylor injured his wrist. They weren't sure if he could go back in the game because he could, whether he could grip the ball or not. But before he came out, he was 5 of 13 for 45 yards. Insert Davis Mills. He wasn't very good either. He was 6 of 14 for 49 yards. And kind of this whole year, the head coach, David Coley, has been behind Tyrod Taylor saying he's our quarterback if he's healthy. This week, he kind of started to change his tone. They got to reevaluate everything. So we'll see, Bump. But in short, these Texans are having a
1: tough season. Yes, they are having a tough one, and um, I'm glad that we're playing them. Let's go. Let's get another victory this week. And uh, we're going to look at these head-to-head comparisons. And this is the first time in a long time now as we look at these head-to-head numbers, and we're like, okay, we match up pretty well against this team. Now, we know, like, personnel-wise, scheme-wise, because we watch the Seahawks every single week, we know where their strength and their weaknesses are, regardless of what these numbers say. But when you break down this head-to-head comparison, total offense, the Hawks are the 31st-ranked offense in the league. The Texans are the 32nd. Rush offense, Hawks are ranked 24th. The Texans are ranked 32nd. Pass offense, Hawks are ranked 27th. The Texans are ranked 31st. And then points per game, Hawks are putting up 19, that's 22nd. And the Texans are putting up 13, that is 32. Switch over to defense. Total defense, don't worry, Hawks still got it there. 31st-ranked defense in the league. Texans 28th. Against the run, the Hawks are 24th. The Texans are 32nd. Against the pass, the Hawks are 32nd. This is where the Texans have a little edge. They are ranked 15th. Points allowed per game. The Hawks are 6th, allowing 20.8. And the Texans are 30th, allowing 26 points per game. Now, if you throw the football in the air irresponsibly, yeah, the Texans can't come down with it because – they got 14 interceptions to the Hawks. seven. I mean, if there is something they do well, is these, these DBs will get after the football when it's thrown up in the air responsibly. But other than that, I watch the film. I look at them on paper. This is the first game of the year where, where I feel extremely confident going into this thing. Respect everybody, though. Of course. This is the NFL, and then they have they do have some history.
0: Know your history.
1: It's
2: not a deep history, though, Bob. These teams, given that the Texans are in the AFC South, the Seahawks only play them about every four years. Seahawks lead the all-time series 3-1. to one. However, the last time these teams linked up, it was a shootout at Lumen Field with the Seahawks winning 41-38, to 38. and it was all about the QBs, big-time battle between Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Both teams combined for 988 yards of total offense, which is unbelievable because Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, all those dudes were still playing in this matchup back in 2017. Russell Wilson set a career high that still stands today in passing yards with 452 as well as four touchdowns and one interception. Deshaun Watson wasn't too far behind going 19 of 30 for 402 yards and four touchdowns, but he was turned over three times, including an interception pick six by Earl Thomas. Tyler Lockett, Paul Richardson each had over 100 yards to lead the Seahawks. And D Hot Boy, who went off. Eight receptions, 224 yards, and one touchdown. The game came down to the wire. The Seahawks got the ball back with 139 remaining in the fourth quarter, trailing 38 to 34. In just three plays, Russell Wilson led them down the field and linked up with Jimmy Graham for this 18-yard touchdown to take the lead.
0: Russell gets the offense to the line. Is he going to slam it down, or is he going to make a play? He takes the snap. He's going to look downfield. He's going to throw. Jimmy Graham. Touchdown Seahawks. Jimmy
1: Graham on a shot right down the middle of the field. Are you kidding me? Holy catfish, what a play, what a drive, an 18-yard play, and the 12s are going nuts.
2: I remember that game specifically, other than all the fireworks, because Steve Rabel had lost his voice going into that game. As you saw, it wasn't the typical Steve Rabel voice to finish out a call, especially in a big-time moment. So happy Ra- uh, Rabel got some tea and was healthy after that game, but it was a tough moment. So anyway, long story short, the Seahawks have owned the Texans in their four matchups going 3-1. Hopefully we'll see some more fireworks offensively and the Seahawks will be able to shut them out on offense. Alright, let's check in with what's going on in the NFC West with What's the Word?
1: Where my soldiers at?
0: What's side! Where my soldiers at? West side! And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again.
1: What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? The NFC West is doing what it does. The Arizona Cardinals are 10-2. Are they the best team in the NFL, I think so. People are trying to put the Packers in front of them. Ten and two, you cannot deny that. Los Angeles Rams are eight and four. The San Francisco 49ers are six and six. But you know the Seahawks just gave them another L. Yeah, Hawks are at the bottom of the barrel at four and a Yes, San Fran, you are six and six. But two of those losses come to your come from the Seattle Seahawks? Now the Rams played the Jags last week. The Rams from the start got it going, and it was just a beat down, man. The Jags fall to two and ten on the season. The Rams lost three consecutive games prior to this. They knew this was a get-right game. You play the Jaguars on a three-game skid. You're like, look, we're going to make this happen. The Rams led 16-7 at half and would score 21 unanswered points in the second half, winning the game 37-7. Matthew Stafford struggled over the past few weeks. He got going again, 26-38, to 38, 295 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Last three games, he threw five, so he's back on track. Cooper Cup this does what he does eight receptions 129 yards one touchdown and he had an interview after the game and he broke down a play and made it sound so complicated to, to most but it's just football i love the response and i like the way twitter just jumped on your touchdown specifically your defender went and blitzed what did you see there how are you able to to use that to your advantage
2: yeah they said a little three deep fire zone brought the nickel off the edge safety dropped down uh, it didn't look like they were doing a replacement fire zone, so I knew at the back away way we were going to get three pushing through. Um, I had an opportunity to kind of run in there if I could beat my guy and just had to beat the safety to the end zone. All right, bump for people who don't have a Ph.D. in football or hear that play and just it just jumbled nonsense, break it down for the listeners to bring it bring it back to simpleton's terms because even though it sounded really complex, it really wasn't.
1: No, not, not very complex at all. Pretty much the safety rolls down. Starting at too high, safety rolls down. They show a cover three look. That nickel fires me. He blitzes off the edge. He goes, look, he's not going to replace him. So this running back is going to influence what he's going to do. Running back is swinging the opposite way. The second level is going to have to flow that way. Now he knows all he has to do is sprint to a certain spot of the field, and he's good to go. But it sounds way more intelligent when you break it down the way Cooper Cup did. I loved it. The
2: thing I love about it, too, is – even though in, in the football world that's not super complex, but it's still a lot, and that just gives you an insight to what everyone has to do on the football field. So everyone who's calling plays from your couch, who is who is talking <laughs> at the, the water cooler or at the coffee stand in the morning or in the break room, who knows everything about football, relax a little bit. Because the guys yeah. who are playing it and coaching and doing it know a lot more than you do, and that's at the receiver position. Every position has similar things that they're looking for in every single play, and on top of that bump, The quarterback position needs to know all of it. Everything. So relax, everybody. But anyway, shout out to Cooper Cup because he, as we talked about on this program many times, he's one of the best in the National Football League. So good to see Cooper getting after it. Uh, As long as he doesn't do it against the Seahawks, I'm fine.
1: Hey, we're all good. We're all good. There are other players who played well other than Cooper Cup. Sonny Michelle had a nice day on the ground. 24 carries, 121 yards, and one touchdown. Trevor Lawrence, man, poor guy. (laughs) Number one pick, got married. I mean, life is good for this dude. He loses twice in college, maybe once in high school, and he is just going through a tough season. He went 16 to 28, 145 yards, zero touchdowns, but zero interceptions. This defeat means Urban Meyer will lose at least twice as many games in his rookie NFL season as he ever did in any of his 17 seasons as head coach. At the college level. That NFL will humble your you know what. From Trevor Lawrence to Urban Meyer. You're not just gonna come in here and save the day. You need a, a real team around you. And it, it takes some time, you know. I I can't think of a college coach who came in and just tore it up from the jump. There's always been an adjustment period that you have to make.
2: No question about it. You look at Nick Saban, Nick Saban wasn't successful in the NFL, right? Uh, people forget Pete Carroll was in the NFL for a long time before he went back to USC and was a great defensive coordinator in San Francisco when they had all that success. But, you know, was in the Patriots. He had three seasons, took him to the playoffs, coached for the Jets too. But his first couple seasons weren't great. But his not great seasons were never anywhere near, <laughs> near as bad as what Urban's going through. Oh. So you're right, the NFL will humble you. And also in the division, let over to the Cardinals. They were taking on the Bears. Kyler Murray made his return after missing about a month. From injury, and he just made it look easy, man. These Cardinals, they were coming off a bye, improved to 7-0 and on the road. Um, and each one of those wins by 10 points or more. Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker each picked off passes on Chicago's first couple possessions. Murray took advantage, linking up with Hopkins on a 20-yarder, then scrambling for a 9-yard touchdown. He also threw a 20-yard touchdown to James Conner, making it 21-7, sending Chicago to their sixth loss in the last seven games. Murray completed 11 of 15 passes for 123 yards, giving him 10,092 yards in three seasons on a rough, nasty afternoon, and at 24 years of age, he became the fourth youngest player with 10,000 career passing yards, according to NFL research. He also joined Cam Newton as the only players in NFL history with at least 10,000 yards passing and 1,500 yards rushing in his first three seasons. DeAndre Hopkins also came back from a hamstring injury, caught two passes for 32 yards, was used kind of sparingly. James Conner had 75 yards rushing, 36 receiving. Bears just really couldn't overcome all those interceptions thrown by Andy Dalton, who had four of them. Cardinals improved to a league-best 10-2 record. Now, I don't really know, Bump. I mean, there's not a lot else to say. These guys are a good football team. They show up week in, week out, no matter who's playing. So they're going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, heading into the postseason we'll see what happens after that. Current playoff standings all you need to know is the Niners are 6 and 6 and they're holding the final playoff spot. Seahawks are 4 and 8. Obviously, a lot of chaos would have to happen. But as Pete Carroll said, they ain't dead yet, okay? <laughs> you know me, I'm Mr. Positivity. They're not done yet. It would take mountains would have to move for something to happen, but they're only 2 games out with 5 to play. Seahawks went out, who knows?
1: I saw I saw a meme, right? I, you, you shouldn't get information from memes, but I saw a meme, <laughs> Naz. And it said, if the Seahawks win out and there are no other upsets, they make the playoffs. How true is that? I don't know, but I'm going to hold on to that. I hold on, You hold on to the memes you like, right? Of I course. like that meme. I'm going to hold on to that one.
2: Absolutely. Hey, there's a lot. I'm sure if you j- jump in those playoff simulators, I'm sure there's a million different ways where it could possibly happen. Shoot, going into last week, there was a scenario where the Lions could make the playoffs. I <laughs> oh, mean, damn. I don't think it's still possible, but they, they they did some crazy thing and they were still mathematically not eliminated. So, I'm saying there's a chance. I know it's a long shot. I know people listen are probably gonna crush me for it. I'm not I'm not thinking that far. Seahawks need to take care of business on Sunday, but I'm saying there's a chance. But anyway, let's get back to those Houston Texans. Man up.
1: Hey, who is this? Yeah. Man up on Hawk Talk. First matchup we're gonna look at Texas quarterback versus the Seahawks defense. Tyrod Taylor, man. This this fella right here might be the unluckiest quarterback in the NFL. He has lost his starting job three times already in his career. He lost it in Buffalo to Nathan Peterman. I don't why, I don't know. Nathan Peterman. Don't get it. Then he loses his job in Cleveland when he got a concussion and Baker Mayfield took over. He's been a starter ever since. That makes more sense. You knew Baker was eventually going to be the guy he was waiting for his term. And then in L.A., he lost it when a team doctor accidentally punctured his lung, giving Justin Herbert the keys to the car. We knew that was going to happen, too, but it's kind of like just how he has lost his job. This guy is just super unlucky. Can't catch a break. Now, this year, he started the season as QB1. Uh, started the first game, excuse me, started, started the game and then injured his hamstring injured his hamstring. Um, he's banged up again. It feels like the injury bug and the unfortunate bug just follows Tyrod Taylor around. He misses the next six game games. His replacement, David Mills will go. Oh, and six on those ball games. Taylor returns. He goes one and three. Taylor left the game Sunday with a wrist injury. He was five for 13, 45 yards. Mills comes in. Didn't do much. Six for 14, 49 yards. Um, Then you got to look at that O-line. Lots of injuries and shuffling on all line It's impacted both quarterbacks. You got to have a quarterback, obviously, but you got to have an O-line to protect. As a starter, while Taylor's in there, he's 91 of 150, 966 yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions, 19 carries, 151 yards, and three touchdowns. Mills, 146 of 223, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. Head coach Cooley will name a starter later this week. All right, the Seahawks defense needs to shut down whoever's at the QB spot. Tyrod Taylor's had some good gears. He's had some good moments. I think those moments are behind him, and I feel like Mills just wants to turn the ball over anyway. The Texans are 31st in passing, and they are 32nd when it comes to points per game, averaging 13. This is set up for the Seahawks defense to continue to grow and be dominant. You need to take care of a football team that has injuries on the O-line and no stability at the quarterback position.
2: No question about it. They're dead last in points per game. They can't score. They're 31st in pass. I mean, they st- everything. The Seahawks have had tough moments, so I'm not saying that, obviously, this year offensively. But everything the Texans do, it's a grind. It's a fight. So the Seahawks really need to take advantage defensively. When it comes to the next matchup, QB1 for the Seahawks, Russell Wilson against this Texans defense. Russell played his best game since returning from the finger injury, and it wasn't close last week against the 49ers. He was an efficient 30 of 37, 231 yards, two touchdowns, and he was able to get the Seahawks in a rhythm for really the first time since we've seen since that Jaguars game on Halloween. So it's been a while, and I expect this trend to continue. The Texans, they're 28th overall in defense. They're towards the bottom of the league, and they're dead last at stopping the run. They're 30th in points per game, lying 26. so I feel like Russell should have a big day. Building off of what we saw, head coach Pete Carroll talked about it last week, he got to the eight-week mark from his injury when he was supposed to technically be back the first time. He expected him to be his closer to his normal self, the best performance we'd seen from him. Predicted that before the game. It came true, and I expect nothing uh, nothing less from the quarterback on Sunday against the Texans.
1: All right, next matchup, Texans running back versus the Seahawks front seven. Guess who the Texans' leading rusher is, Nassichobi? It's Mark Ingram. 92 carries 294 yards, one touchdown, but he ain't there no more. He is gone. He is back with the Saints. So they're going to rely on guys like David Johnson. Um, He's the second leading rusher on the team. 56 carries, 176 yards, averaging 3.1 yards per carry. He has 28 receptions for 214 yards and one receiving touchdown. David Johnson, man, remember when he was with the Arizona Cardinals, the excitement that he had, and something happened when he went to the Texans, just fell off a little bit. Tyrod Taylor is a third leading rusher while playing only six games, and then you have Rex Burkhead, who has shown some explosiveness. It's not the guy that we we were used to seeing, but I broke down a couple of plays and. There's some power football going on. He can still get north-south. We'll see if he can handle 20, 25 carries a game. There's just not much in that backfield. You're relying on your quarterback to really get it done. David Johnson, who hasn't shown that he he can be an every down back the last few years. And then Burkhead. Um, I look at his backfield, and I'm not too concerned when it comes to the playmakers over there.
2: Yeah, you look at Burkhead's last three games, eight carries, 30 yards, 12 carries, 27 yards, 18 carries, 40 yards. They struggled to run the football, and it shows there. They're bouncing back and forth. David Johnson was inactive last week with illness and a thigh injury, so we'll see if he's back this week. But either way, I mean, whoever's back there, I think the Seahawks should have the advantage. Um, last last week, the Seahawks held the powerful 49ers rushing attack to 75 yards on 21 carries. Prior to that game, the 49ers in their last three were averaging 178 yards a game. So they were doing it. The Seahawks shut them down. Obviously, there's no Debo Samuel. But Eliza Mitchell is still a ball player, and the Seahawks came with it. Al Woods and all those guys played really well. And they're 32nd in rushing yards, in averaging just 78 per game. So the Seahawks should definitely uh, dominate this matchup. Another matchup bump, I think you'll agree with me on this one, Brandon Cook's taking on the Seahawks secondary. When you go through the Texans roster, Brandon Cook is the one guy that scares you. On the season, nope. Cook's is 65 receptions, 742 yards, three touchdowns. He's had four straight 1,000-yard seasons. From 2015 to 2018 with the Saints, Patriots, and Rams. Last year, uh, Cooks had a nice first season with Houston. 81 receptions, 1,150 yards, six touchdowns. But, bump, there's a huge drop-off when you look at the rest of the Texans' offense. The second-leading receiver, Chris Conley, he only has 14 receptions, 233 yards, and one touchdown. So, if you can shut down Brandon Cooks, I don't really see where they go in this pass game
1: is man, he's like a hidden gem with the Texans. You you watch him. He has speed, great route running, good hands, man. It must be frustrating for a guy like him to be over there and just be handcuffed. All right, next matchup, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett versus the Texans secondary. It's another matchup the Seahawks should have an advantage. But even though we talked about the secondary calls and turnovers, this is DK and Tyler Lockett. Last week, we saw them get back on track the dual combined for 12 receptions 128 yards and one touchdowns not huge numbers but we wanted more targets we got more targets to that guy to those excuse me those two guys so far on the season locket 57 receptions 881 yards and four touchdowns you look at dk 52 receptions 710 yards and eight touchdowns the secondary they're gonna have their handful all right they struggle stopping the run Uh, But they are pretty good against the pass. Like I mentioned, they rank 15th in the NFL, allowing 234 yards per game and have 14 interceptions as a unit. In comparison, the Seahawks only have seven. Over there on the defensive side, they got Desmond King. He's got three passes defended, two interceptions. You got Terrence Mitchell. He's got nine passes defended, one interception. You got Lonnie Johnson Jr., four passes defended, three interceptions. They got some guys over there, Justin Reed, Eric Murray. I mean, Again, like we mentioned, this is the NFL. You're, guys aren't bad in the NFL. Yeah. Teams are bad yes. in the NFL. So they got some guys who can, who can cause some turnovers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is the this is the thing that they do. And you said at the beginning of the podcast, as long as the Seahawks, I think you said, aren't reckless with the football and decision-making, I think they should be good there. Dresden Reed's probably, when I looked at the film, one of their bigger playmakers in the secondary, I think he does a lot for them. And they take the football away. If the ball's thrown to them, they're going to come down with it. So we'll see what the Seahawks can do. The last matchup I want to take a look at is Jonathan Greenard and Jacob Martin versus the Seahawks offensive line. Similar to the Seahawks, the Texans don't really get after the quarterback with high sack numbers. They got 26 on the season. Second-year player Jonathan Greenard has eight of those in eight sacks in nine games played. He's also got 27 tackles, nine TFLs, two forced fumbles, and three passes defended, so he's doing well there. Former Seahawks Jacob Martin, he's also turned into a pretty good player and been successful there. He was traded to Houston, if you guys remember, the uh, the Jadavion Clowney trade, excuse me. And he's second in the team in sacks. He's got four of those. He also has 20 tackles, five tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. So those two guys are, are are doing some nice things. They're not going to get after the quarterback in crazy numbers, but these are guys you want to stop, and they're effective when they have their opportunities in certain pass rush situations. So stay out of third and long, and I think the Seahawks offensive line will hopefully stop these guys because they're banged up too. So this is a matchup that we'll have to look, look throughout the week and see how things are progressing because the Seahawks offensive line did struggle a little bit last week.
1: Jacob Martin's playing some good football man he's one of the guys when I pull on the film I'm like all right I see I see you Jake Martin I see you all right man how are they going to get this thing done here's your path to victory.
0: At the 45 waits for the snap Michael Dixon puts it down that kick is away and that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk.
2: Get after these guys from the first snap, Bob. Get after them from snap number one. They don't really do anything well offensively, and they're dead last in almost every category. you got to start from the beginning, and I don't care who's playing at quarterback. I don't care if it's Tyra Taylor. I don't care if it's Davis Mills. Both of them have struggled. Both of them are prone to turnovers, and you absolutely need to take the ball away. I think the Seahawks can get two or three interceptions this week. So looking forward to that, but get after those
1: quarterbacks. And protect your quarterback, please. Russell Wilson was sacked four times and hit eight times last week. The 49ers defensive line is way more talented than the Texans. This needs to be a huge improvement. Russell needs to be back there sitting comfy, sipping tea, (laughs) reading books. I want my guy... I want his jersey clean. I know we play on turf. Texas play on turf? Yeah, they play on turf too. So no grass marks, but I want that jersey nice and clean, man. Protect Russell Wilson.
2: Absolutely, and staying along with Russ. I want to see the same Russ we saw last week. He was getting the ball out quick. He was taking the shots when they were there, taking what the defense gave to him. He's playing consistent, played the best game since his injury. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Also want to see DK and Tyler. They need eight targets apiece. Eight targets apiece at least. I don't think the secondary can contain those guys. We saw what happens when they get their targets and they get their opportunities. They're going to make plays. So I definitely want to see DK and Tyler involved early and often.
1: And with that, I also want to see them run the football. The Texans have had trouble stopping to run all year. They rank dead last, whether it's AP, it could be Rashad, it could be Collins, Dallas, Homer, don't matter. Find a way. Go 1 and 0, get the first win streak of the season, and keep stacking these wins. NAS, nice. where can the people listen to us? All over Bump, you can catch it on
2: Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Also got a lot of great content coming to you each and every week. Seahawks Insiders with Jed Mueller and John Boyle. The Huddle with Dave Lyman, Stacey Ross, and Jay Keeps. Hawks Live every Thursday night with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Seahawks Stories with Robert Turbin. And Seahawks Rewind, here. instant analysis right after the game on Seahawks Radio Network. Catch player interviews, reaction from Bump, Moyer, Roberts, and Turbin right after each game. Bump, I'm feeling the first winning streak. The Seahawks are better on paper. They're better on the field. I think they get it done on Sunday.
1: Go Hawks are down in Texas this week. That was a Hawk Talk preview edition week 14. Seahawks taking on the Texans. Two-game win streak. Here we come. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Nassar Chubby. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon.